Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Amen. Did you bring a Bible? Let's get right into the scriptures tonight. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. You're flipping. I'll talk and God will move. Amen. That's the plan anyways. Hallelujah. Only thing one only one thing worse than moving when or not moving when God is is moving when God ain't. <laughs> Amen. So um, praise God. Uh, I did bring some CDs. If you'd like to see them, they're there in the back. Um, you know, most of what I teach on is the ministry of helps. I believe in the helps ministry. I don't believe there's two Holy Ghosts. One for the fivefold ministry and one for everybody else. I believe there's only one. Can you say amen? And whatever he does is beautiful. Whoever he touches is blessed. Amen. And whatever he gives his wisdom to or his word to will change your life. So the problem is sometimes finding him. Amen. It can take a little while to find him. Praise God. Um, I have a CD. I just call it the power to stay. Um, You know, all the disciples told Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I don't want to interview the pastors if they've ever heard that before, but almost everybody has. The problem with the disciples, as near as I can find it, is Jesus went to prayer and they went to sleep. You can't be empowered if you're not in prayer. If you're distracted, you're out doing other things. So my point is, it wasn't their will that they just wanted to leave. That wasn't, but they didn't do it by their power or sorry, by heaven's power, they did it trying to do it on their own determination. And you can't break every demon stronghold by your own determination. Amen. Now, here's the problem. It takes determination, but it takes greater than determination. Right. There's a man side and there's heaven side. But if all you do is you just I'm, I'm determined to do this, you won't. You can't. Right. You have to walk where the power is. I, I was getting ready to discipline my kids. Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> Amen. And the Lord dealt, and the Lord dealt, I'll just bless you. Um, the, the Lord dealt with me. You know, Dr. Barkley, my pastor, always says, raise your hands if you want this. Every hand goes up, people want it. And I always say, what if nobody raises their hand? I ain't going to ask. And just give it to somebody, and by faith they wanted it. Hallelujah. I don't have that kind of courage. Hallelujah. Amen. But anyways, um, you know, the, the, I was getting ready to deal with my kids one night, because I'm out of the Lutheran church. Right. We didn't have Holy Ghost nights. They told us that ended. You know, when when I found the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I I can only liken it to when I see the prisoners in World War Two get when the allied troops came over the hill and set them free. When I found out God wanted to help me instead of hurt me to teach me something that he wasn't making me sick, he wasn't making me broke, he wasn't giving me flat tires. That was all new to me. You know, now we talk about it like it's no big deal. God, God's good. You know, that was a revelation for me. All the good I got was things breaking. Well, man, I'm, the, I'm in all the classes. <laughs> Amen. So I, um, but I've, I found in, the, in that, you know, when I was getting ready to deal with my, my son and my daughter about something, the Lord dealt with me. He said, son, if they don't walk where the power is, they can't follow the scriptures. That's why the Holy Ghost was given. And you just putting a demand on them to be holy isn't going to give them the strength to be holy. You've got to cause them to walk where the power is. 
So we just kind of, if I can say it this way, we drilled down a level. And I said, have you read your Bible today? Did you pay attention when pastor was preaching? What was his first verse? Well, dad, I can't write notes. Okay, take the first verse. I mean, they're little shavers, right? So take the first verse. And if all you do is write that verse down, if it takes you the whole service, I don't care. Get that. Get that. And then if they came home from children's church or whatever, and they couldn't tell me what the teacher taught, I'd call the teacher. I said, what you teach on today? My kids didn't get it. Because I believe they're called of God as much as my pastor's called of God to break the word down. And, and I'd sit on the phone. Okay give, me, okay, give me the gist of it. We'd go have Sunday school again. Why? Because I felt like that was a word from heaven. Amen. So consequently, over the course of time, you know, my kids, I'm very blessed. They grew up. They walked with God. I didn't have rebellious areas. I understand some families do. I'm not throwing any rocks. The devil's the devil. Amen. But I thank God that the power came. Say the power. The power power come to stay where God put them. Isn't just about getting out on the water. You got to stay there. Amen. That's the verse. (laughs) I get preaching, but amen. Get the CD if it's a blessing. Hallelujah. Um, I always say this. I ask seven dollars for my CDs. If you say, Brother Ray, I don't have seven dollars. I have five. Then I now ask five dollars for my CDs because my goal is to get the word in your heart. Amen. Now, if you have seven and you only give me three, that's between you and heaven. Right? I, I'm not going to mess with you. You know if you could do it or if you can't. I'm not going to argue with you. Amen? I always say if I find you out selling it on the Internet for twelve ninety-five, then I know your heart. Amen. Praise God. And then I just, I did a men's meeting down in Texas. It turned out really good. And uh, so I make that available to people. I'm concerned. I just bless you. I don't think you're not manly. Amen. I just don't want to throw it at anybody and hurt her like I did the sister back there. So praise God. Let's get into the Bible. Is that all right? Genesis chapter 28. We'll pick it up here at verse 10. This is a story of Jacob. Now, here's the background. Jacob has a twin brother by the name of Esau, right? Esau and Jacob aren't getting along. And Esau is so violent that they actually say to Jacob, you got to get out of here because we can't control control Esau. So Jacob leaves. Jacob's on his way to go work for his uncle by the name of Laban. He's never met him. Right. This isn't today where you could text or you could, you know, you could go to his Facebook page and see what he looks like. You can't do any of that in this day. Amen. He's just out on his own. It's his first time alone. And here he is making this trip. And that's where we're going to pick it up here in verse 10. Says, now Jacob went from Beersheba and went down to Haran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Twelve. And then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached heaven And there the angels of God were ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it. And he said, I am the Lord God of your father, Abraham, and of your father, Isaac. And the land in which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Also, 14, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's an amazing word to get when you're a young man and you're all alone. Let's read on 15. Behold, I will I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go 
and I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. 16, we're going to read down to the end of the chapter, so just stay with me. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. That can be said in a lot of churches. God is in the church and the people aren't aware of it. Let's, let's read on. As soon as I find my verse again, where'd I leave off? I get preaching. One more time. 17. Thank you. Help the preacher out. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, we know that today is tithing, correct? He's saying a similar thing that Abraham had said, God, if you'll bless me, then I'll give you a tenth. There shouldn't really be any discussion about these truths anymore. I don't know why people keep going back over the same things, but these are established principles before we ever saw a book of the law. Amen. All the way to modern day. Amen. Those thoughts in mind, go with me to Genesis chapter 32. Over the course of time, Jacob's going to go to work for a guy by the name of Laban. Laban has two sons, and Laban is what I would call a jerk. (laughs) Laban changes his pay scale ten times. If you've ever had a boss like that, you know what I'm talking about. It's always amazed me that, you know, what our agreement was, nobody wants to stay to their word, right? I knew a man who helped a businessman get his business up and running and they agreed to a pay scale and he was in sales and he did good. He took it up to millions and millions of dollars and everything was good until they saw his paycheck. Well, the boss was making millions, but it angered the children that this guy was making almost as much as the boss and they got greedy and people do what people do. My point is, is that that is the Laban God knows Jacob is going to. Amen. Amen. He's preparing him before he gets to this Laban. Over the course of time, as Jacob goes to work, he's going to run off and Laban runs after him. And he says, if you'll stay, I'll pay you whatever you want. Because Laban realized God is blessing me because of this kid. If you want the truth, that's what's happening in our nation. God is still blessing this nation because of people like you that are still serving him. Amen. Amen. That's what's still happening. Over the course of time, what Jacob says is, listen, I don't want you to pay me. Here's what I want. Any sheep or, or lambs that are born, he said, if they have a spot, if they have a wrinkle, a stripe, he said, I'll take those. You keep the ones without the blemish. Jacob said, or Laban says, that's great. So what's he do? As Jacob goes out and as those animals begin to mate, he takes these rods and he puts them in the sun and it casts a shadow on the, those sheep. And lo and behold, when they bring forth babies, 
they have stripes and spots on them similar to the shadows that were cast on them. Now, I don't know biology. It seems to me, unless God adjusted their DNA, there's no other way to do that. Well, they begin to notice the, the two boys and Laban that Jacob's getting everything. So they switch it. They say, okay, you know, guess we'll change it 11th time. Well, uh, we'll take the ones with the stripes and spots. Now you keep the ones without. And so Jacob just holds back. And of course, all of them begin to transfer over. Now they're born without any marks on them. This does not make Laban's day. Everybody ain't blessed. You're blessed. So Jacob is, is heading back. Jacob goes to, he falls in love with a lady by the name of Rachel. He goes to marry Rachel. Laban is such a rascal. He, he puts, instead of letting Rachel marry him, he puts Leah, his oldest daughter, in her place. Jacob wakes up and he's married a girl he hasn't intended on. He works another seven years. He, he works and he gets Rachel, brings her back. God begins to do what God does and he begins to bless. One day he speaks to Jacob. He says, now you go back home. And that's where we're going to pick up this story here in verse 9. Because Jacob is going back knowing he's going to see his brother Esau, not sure how Esau is going to react. So he takes his two families, Leah and Rachel's, and he separates them saying, if, if Esau attacks one family, the other can run away. But at least half of what I've got will make it through this. Verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abram and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. For I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth, say truth. I am not worthy of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become Two companies. He said, God, when you met me, my, my whole savings in life, everything I had, one stick. That's all I owned, one stick. When you found me, that was my prosperity. A stick. And now look at me. I not only have the family that I, I wanted, I have the family I didn't originally intend, if you study it out over the course of the years, you'll see there's great beauty. Over the course of time, when Jacob passes, he actually says, I want to be buried with Leah, not Rachel. So God put a love in there and God put a beauty into that life, even though that wasn't his original plan. I want to just tell you that no matter what the devil does in your life, God can put beauty in it. Can you say amen? Even if things happen to you you hadn't anticipated, God can put beauty on it. Amen. There's a great truth that a pearl will take a grain of sand or sorry, a clam will take a grain of sand and at least put some polish on it and do the best they can with it. Can you say amen? amen. So that's that's this verse. Thou hast showed me a great truth. Go with me to Matthew, if you would, please. Matthew, chapter 13, 44. Thirteen forty four. it says this, Jesus gives these two parables about the kingdom of heaven. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Doesn't say, he says it's like, he's making a, an analogy. 
which if a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. In other words, he says to himself, what I just found is worth more than I have already obtained in life. I'll let go of that in order to take hold of this. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when they had found one pearl of great price, they went and sold all that they had and they bought it. So the same parallel truth that this person, when he found this pearl of great price, he released everything else he had in order to take hold of this opportunity. Can you say amen? amen. I like to say this all the time, but you notice in both of these, they had to do something about their God-given opportunity. It didn't just happen. The blessings of, King of heaven are not automatic. You have to make sure that you go after them. Amen. God, uh, if I talked or interviewed these pastors, they'll tell you, yeah, God promised me a church or God promised me these different things, but I have a part to play. If you don't get up and preach, if you don't get up and go to work, if you don't begin to put works to your faith, none of that ever develops. Amen. Amen. Moses saw the, saw the burning bush and the Bible says he turned aside. What's that mean? He cleared his schedule. Peter, James and John, Jesus comes to them, says, follow me and I will Make you fishers of men. No follow, no make. Right? They had to walk away from what they were doing. Now, everybody doesn't have to. Amen? But there is a time where God puts such a demand on you that you have to busy yourself with the things of the kingdom. Can you say amen? amen. All of this in mind. Go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. I know we're reading a lot of verses, but just stay with me. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. This is the story of Peter, and this is where we're going to kind of focus in on, is on Peter and the disciples, or the twelve. Acts chapter 3, Peter heals a man at the gate beautiful. Remember that story? It's the time of prayer. They're going into prayer. They stop. That man stops them. He says, silver and gold I, I don't have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. I like to bring your attention to the fact that they were headed into prayer, which means they hadn't prayed yet. But they came to church with enough anointing to help somebody before they ever got into the time of prayer. Come to church to bless. Come to church to help somebody. Come to church with the anointing already in you that you can enhance and bless someone else. Can you say amen? Don't wait till you get here for God to move. God will move on your way in here if you're really walking with him. Amen. This, this all happens. This man from the gate, beautiful, he gets healed. And, and like, I, I think as a real Christian, he comes into the church and give, gives God thanks. He doesn't say, I got my miracle, I'm going home. He comes in. And when he comes in, I love the King James on this. That this crowd forms and the Bible says this. It says, and Peter's seen his opportunity. He says, well, there's no need to let this miracle go by. And brother... That fisherman starts preaching. He preaches all through chapter 3 and then into chapter 4. In verse 4 of chapter 4, we read this. It says, However, many of those who heard the word of God believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. A fisherman. When Jesus met him, he was a fisherman. And he wasn't even a good fisherman. I'm sure he stunk like fish, but he didn't have any. Amen? <laughs> Acts chapter 10. Verse 1. 
There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion, who was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. You should take heart. Your giving and your prayers, heaven sees. You put things in the offering, you have your faith on things, heaven sees. This Cornelius will be the first Gentile filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't say that his giving didn't get God's attention. You could never pay for what this man is about to get. Let's keep reading. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. That had to be something for an Italian guy, huh? I wonder how he responded, if he was all Italian about it or what he did. Amen. Forget about it. <laughs> Sorry. It says, and when he observed him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Look at five here now. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. 44, the same chapter says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard. When God talked to Jacob, he said, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you. And God took Jacob and he put him in a place, but not just any place. He put him in a place of blessing. He put him in a place where the angels would ascend and descend. They would come and they would go. And no matter what Laban did, they would still bring him that blessing. We talk about the ravens taking care of the prophet. The angels are probably a little better at it. Amen. Amen. And no matter what the world system did to Jacob, as long as he stuck with the principles of God, God began to bless him and he began to prosper him. The only thing I can liken it to is one time when my son Nathan, we were, my wife is from Cape Town, South Africa, and we were in South Africa, and I was with my father-in-law, and he had a little surfboard. I had never surfed. You know, in Michigan, there's not a whole lot of waves. Amen. <laughs> and so I had never surfed, and so my father-in-law said, take Nathan and, and, you know, go out into the waves a little bit, put him on the board and push him. Well, he's just a little shaver, you know what I mean? He's probably eight years old, something like that. And I put him, I just saw, you know, wave push, right? Well, it was probably a little too big. And he went a little ways and over he went. And when you go over like that and the wave hits, mud goes everywhere. Well, I couldn't find him. Well, you can't go back on the shore to my wife, Janine, without the boy. Because <laughs> you're going to end up right back out there, right? Every father knows what I'm talking about. Well, I have no idea where he is. So I'm, I'm fishing around in that water, and the back of my hand happens to hit Nate's hand, right? And I, re, I turn my hand around, and I grab his wrist, and I pull him up, and I probably, his eyes are this big, right? I remember when I began to sit down with my pastor, and I tried to explain to him what had happened to me, how God had visited me, and God had called me, and he had put me in the ministry, and I'll never forget, he said to me, he said, Ray, you'll never be happy doing anything else in your life now. This will consume you. I had worked and worked and tried and tried to find the power of God. But when he sat with me that day, it was the same feeling I got when my hand hit my son. There it is. 
I've been fishing around in, but I couldn't find. I couldn't find the power of God, but I knew it was in there somewhere. Jacob goes to this place and he's there with Laban, but his hand, by God's grace, his hand brushes the anointing and he grabs it and he gets that word and he never lets go. And he says, Lord, you have shown me a great truth that no matter what people do to me, I can walk in the power of God. I can know the voice of God. I can have the blessing of God. It doesn't matter what's going on around me and who hates me and who doesn't and what man does to me. You're a blesser. You're a blesser. In Matthew 13, with those verses, that's what Jesus was trying to tell the disciples. The kingdom of heaven is like this. You get, you get saved. You find Jesus. He's that pearl of great price. And if you latch onto that, Psalms 133 is, is short. It's only three verses, but it talks about the anointing and how it flows like dew. And then it says, and there the Lord has commanded his blessing. Amen. Life forevermore. I think about Peter. Think about Peter. Jesus came to him and he said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. His first sermon coming out of that upper room, 3,000. On, the, on this day with the man uh, in the temple, 5,000. 8,000 people born again. He's not even supposed to be a preacher. But as he begins to row boats, as he begins to run errands, as he begins to go get a gold coin with the fish's mouth in it, he, he isn't just going to any Bible school. He's going to the best Bible school you could go to. And he finds his hand hits the anointing. And he finds his niche, his place in life, his place where God commanded the blessing for him there. Acts chapter 10, I read that verse because there in Acts chapter 10, the angel comes and he says, have Peter in to preach. When the angels are doing your advertising for you, <laughs> that's a whole lot better than the internet and a marketing program. I like to go back to some of that today. Instead of brother manipulation, trying to call people and could you this and rub shoulders with the right people and make sure I'm, I'm not from the right camp or I didn't know this guy or know that guy. Peter doesn't know anybody. In Acts chapter 4 there, we read this. It says the next day they're going to bring him out and set him in front of Caiaphas and Annas, the high priest. Well, he just denied Jesus in Caiaphas' house not too long ago. He knows how mean this guy is. He knows how brutal he is. What's the difference? He's been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And once his hand hits that anointing, they can't shut that fisherman up. They stand, what a bunch of idiots. They stand him in the midst. I mean, they give him the microphone. He's going to touch more people in his nation in this one sermon. Do you know what it would take you as a fisherman to get the mayor and the governor and all the head? There is nobody higher in his nation than Caiaphas, the high priest, and his whole family. You're going to sit them down and say, give this fisherman the mic and ask him how he did this? Only God can set up that meeting. Only God can arrange that to happen. I don't care how many strings you pull. I don't care how many clap. Those people are not coming to hear a fisherman preach. And yet God, yet God, working in the ministry of helps. It's the only way you can read it. Running errands, doing the do's, working alongside of Jesus Christ Ministries Incorporated, getting out of the boat because pastor said get out of the boat. Right. 
I've always said this. You know, Peter's brother, he, Andrew, he's still in the boat. You know what your mother's going to say? What, son, why are you out of the boat? Your brother's church doesn't make you get out of the boat. <laughs> Peter, for the first time in his life, he breaks free of every human limitation he has ever known. He doesn't hold it for long, but he gets a taste of the power of God. This is possible for me. I can, I can do this. I can know God. I can know his voice. I can know his power. And it changes that fisherman into somebody he has never, ever been before. He finds God. I came to work for Dr. Barclay in 1991, July. He was in between planes. He didn't have one. He had had one. There was a mistake in the staff, and he had to sell it in order to keep things going. Um, he hired in a man by the name of Bill Bailey to be the office administrator. Bill looked things over, and about a year later, they brought me in. I, I'm, Pastor, I'm so green. I'm so country. My dad's a farmer. He became an airplane mechanic. My mom's from, te- from Tennessee, just south of Chattanooga uh, in the Georgia area. Um, she's, she's a redneck. Can I say it that way? <laughs> Amen. She became a nurse, but you know what I'm talking about? My, I'm the only kid in Detroit whose mother sewed his own clothes. <laughs> Say, what's that mean? That means you're going to get in a lot of fights. That's what that means. <laughs> I was a walking picnic table. <laughs> that woman did not have any style. Did not have any style. <laughs> in the city, you felt out of place. In the country, you felt out of place. You, you were never accepted. You were never wanted. You're always different to somebody. But when I found God, I found home. Amen. When I found God, I, I found he wanted me. He had a plan for me. He helped me find that gift that I had for me. You know, I was driving to preach for Pastor Jim Crabb in uh, early February, the first Thursday of February this year. And I was getting ready to preach, and I'm driving my car to the meeting, and the Holy Spirit begins to talk to me before I got into the meeting. I was sharing this a little bit this last night at Pastor Gregory's church. And he said, son, you've picked up a habit from your father, from your natural father. Now, my, my dad was World War II, born in 1921. He was a great guy, just, he, but he was very humble and unassuming. You would, he would never tell you his accomplishments. To him, that was braggadocious. Selling the church last night because this really hit me. I haven't thought about this picture in literally 30 years. I was going through some old pictures of my father when, when he was younger, and he was standing by this plane shaking hands with the man who was sitting in the cockpit. It's kind of low to the ground with a glass canopy, you know, the old-style planes, World War II era. And he's shaking his hand, and, and I recognized my dad from the picture. And I said, Dad, I said, I said, isn't that you? He goes, yeah, that's me. And I'm probably 15 by this time, 14, something like that. I said, who's this guy in the picture? He said, oh, he said, that's the pilot of that plane. And he's holding like this big trophy, not like a participation trophy, but like a real trophy. (laughs) And I said, well, I said, Dad, what's that trophy all about? He said, well, he he won the national championships for aviation racing out in California that year. They had the nationals out there in California, which is where my dad was going to aviation school to be a mechanic. I said, well, that's something. Why is he shaking your hand? He said, well, I was his mechanic. I said, you won nationals? He said, yeah, we did pretty good. 
<laughs> he was just never going to tell you what he had done to his generation, at least in him, that was braggadocious. Does that make sense? When the Lord began to deal with me at Pastor Krabs, he said, you don't testify of things. It's because I don't want to come off that way either. I'd rather have just done it. Like, I just eat food. I don't take pictures or nothing. I just eat it. Hey, SpaghettiOs. No offense, we all eat SpaghettiOs. I don't want to burst your bubble, but the can's the same, all of us. Amen. Chef Boyardee, he's the only cook in town. Amen. Anyways, Pastor Barclay, when I worked for him, I used to have such a demand on my life. I would come in early and I would lay underneath my desk and I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. Half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it took. Because there was so much going on, I didn't want to drop the ball and fail God. Have you ever? Curtis laying underneath that desk, I began to, I didn't realize, but I began to touch the power of God. That's where I found it. Like Peter was walk, taking care of Jesus and walking by the, by the shore and doing all these errands and things people think isn't meaningful, but to God it is meaningful. And I'm, some time goes by, and Pastor went out to preach for a guy by the name of Larry Gordon in Sioux City, Iowa. I don't know if you know that name, but maybe you'll know this testimony. Pastor's out there preaching, and as he's preaching, he stops, and then prophet's office is where he lives. He stops, and he, he says to Pastor Gordon, he says, on this day, so many years ago, he said, something happened in your city, and it brought a curse on your city, and that's why you're having a hard time doing the work of God here in this church. And then he kept preaching. Well, this Pastor Gordon's son went down to the library. You know, you couldn't always have Google, right? He went down to the library, and he went to the, went to the periodicals. He got the newspaper from so many years ago on, you know, the day after that. And there was, they were bringing alcohol into, I believe it was the Sioux Nation, but it was the Indian reservation in that area. And this preacher was trying to stop them so that that alcohol wouldn't get into that, those, those people and to hurt their tribe. And they got so mad at that preacher for trying to stop them and the money they would make, they killed him in the streets. None of those people knew that story. So what they actually did is they... That church went down and they bought that area downtown. They erected a bus honoring that preacher and prayed, broke that curse, and the church has been growing. Now, that's all his testimony. That's wonderful. I didn't have anything to do with that part of it. Some time goes by, and I'm walking along, and I thought, well, isn't it great that that man of God was in that city on that day to have such a great testimony and such a great miracle? And Pastor Gregory, it dawns on me, you know who set that date? I did. I handled Pastor's calendar. He didn't tell me to choose that date. I found that laying underneath the desk. Begging God, please don't let me fail you today. Help me help this man of God be where he's supposed to be. Some time goes by. I'm talking about the anointing on the helps people. Some time goes by. I, 
we have a Holy Spirit conference. There was a missionary by the name of Larry Garza. Larry Garza's gone on to be with the Lord, but he was out of Pastor John Osteen's church, Lakewood, just back in the day. And I'm walking along, and Brother Garza was in the oil fields uh, as a profession, but he would do different missions work. And I'm walking along, and I see him at the back of the church, kind of on the back right-hand side by the doors, you know, over towards the sound booth. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. And he's leaning against the wall. I said, Pastor Garza, I said, Brother Larry, I said, I've seen you here so many times. Tell me what brings you to Midland. He said, you know, Brother Ray, he said, I was in Singapore on a missions trip. And if you've ever done missions trip, especially back in the day before credit cards were so common and stuff, he said, I had been in, the, been in the bush for so long, he said, that I kept preaching and I kept giving away money and I kept preaching and I kept giving away money. He said, and I got back to Singapore and I had a couple of days before my flight, but I didn't have any more money left. And he said, I, I had given it all away and I had nowhere to stay. I had nothing to my name. And I said, well, I'm going to go to church. And he said, and I walk in and there's Dr. Mark Barclay preaching in the pulpit, and he pulls me out and he gives me several hundred dollars, not knowing what I needed to get home. He said, Brother Ray, if he hadn't been in that city on that day, he said, I don't know what would have happened to me. And I walked away and I said, you know who set that date? I set that date. I found God laying underneath the desk in that church running errands and doing dues, and at times it seemed like more work than anybody else was being asked to do, and a greater demand was on me. And it seemed, in a sense, if I can say it this way, like everything kind of came to my desk, right? But over the course of time, I realized God was using that in order to help me find his power, his hand, his anointing. Peter... The 12, Jacob, Ray Bench, I say the same thing. You have shown me a great truth. I'm not worthy of all the truth and of all the mercies you have given to me. I, I came into this kingdom with barely a stick. I, last Christmas, I, I told my wife, Janine, we were in our house and the kids are all running around giggling, and the grandkids, I got five grandkids now, and they're running around giggling, you know. If you've ever had grandkids, I don't know. Maybe they really are God's reward for not killing your first kids. I don't know. I wouldn't make that the verse you remember tonight kind of thing, but or the truth. That's not the great truth we want to show you. Hallelujah. But they're all running around, they're giggling. And the only way I can try to describe it to people is like they're little furnaces that run around and warm your heart. Amen. Right? They're just like, they just have this, I don't know how. Amen. They're not trying to make me laugh. They're not trying to make me feel warm inside, but they just do. Amen. And I'm standing there, and my wife Janine has always been able to read me, which is not always good, but this time it was. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she said, what gives with you? And I'm standing there and I'm thinking to myself, I remember the day Janine was pregnant and I'm making minimum wage. We didn't have medical insurance, nothing, zero. She said, I, I think I might be pregnant. Back then you had to go to the doctor. She said, I think I might be pregnant. 
I said, well, all right, go to the doctor. When she left, I begged God. I said, please, you got to do something. I can't be a dad. I don't have any money. That, that day to, ride, to get to work, I, I sent Janine with a car, and I hopped on my bike to ride. It was snowing, but not sticking yet, just kind of flurries in the air. And Janine said to me, she said, where's your gloves? I said, I don't have any gloves. And she went in my drawer, and she took out a sock, and she put it on my hand. So my hands wouldn't freeze holding the handlebars going to work. And I'm laying underneath my desk and God begins to talk to me about how to help my pastor build the church. God, I was telling the church last night, this isn't bragging, all right? Can I just testify? Is that all right? I helped my pastor buy three airplanes. My dad's a farmer. I didn't take airplane purchasing classes. I just fell in love with my pastor. And I wanted to help him touch the world with the gift that was inside of him. Laying underneath that desk, I found the power of God. So I'm sitting there Christmas morning. This is past Christmas. The kids are running around giggling and laughing. Janine looks at me and says, what gives? I said, do you remember how impossible this was? Do you remember where we were the first time you found out you were pregnant? The job I had, I'm drilling through a block wall down in a basement trying to run a, a conduit power line for an electrician. I don't have any idea what I'm doing, but I got to take care of my family. Right? And in that atmosphere, like, I found a great truth. Laying underneath my desk, I found the power of God that he would go with me. He would help me. If I'd be like Peter, if I'd get involved, though I didn't, you know, Peter, every time Peter speaks in your Bible, you just cringe because it could be really good and he could be told to shut up. Amen. That's my version. But, you know, get behind me. Satan is worse than shut up. I mean, but you don't know what he's going to say. Right. But God never gave up on Peter as long as Peter never gave up on God. I don't care what mistakes you've made and how life hasn't worked out for you. And maybe you got a Laban in your life or however things are going. But if you'll get busy helping in the local church, if you'll get busy working alongside of your pastor, you can touch the power of God. Amen. I was in the Philippines uh, in February. God bless this church, Pastor Evelyn, others have helped me with that. It's just been, it was just a miracle time. But they were telling me this testimony, Pastor. The pastor of that church went out one morning and there was, there was a hole in this church sign and somebody had taken a rock and thrown it at the church and smashed the sign. So the pastor and the church, you know, everybody's upset and the pastor goes out and he says, he says, give me that rock, let's, let's pray. And so they took that rock and they all laid hands on it and they prayed for whoever threw it. Over the course of time, he took it, you know, it's not like here, there's fans everywhere, so you need paperweight. So they, he kept it in his office on some of his papers, and he'd just pray over it, Bobette. And he'd just keep it in his office and pray over it. They had a youth meeting, and this young man came up, and he said, Pastor, I'd like to join the church, but I want you to know who I am. He said about a year ago, he said, I was upset with your church, and when I wasn't thinking right one night, I threw a rock and I smashed your sign. And Bobette said, come with me up to my office. And there on his desk was that rock. He said, we've been praying for you ever since, that God would find you and that God would touch you. Amen. You have shown me a great truth, Lord. 
that if I'll stay with you, if I'll listen to you, underneath that desk, I found your power. Lord, out running errands, sitting groups down, Peter, James, and John, they found your power. Working in the church in Antioch, Paul found your power. Moses was, was with Jethro, the high priest, and there he found the power of the living God. What he couldn't get in Egypt, he found it working for Jethro and taking care of his sheep. Help us, Father, to get busy in your house and to touch the power of Jesus Christ. That we might change our nation with your strength and with your word. Father, I pray for every church represented here that you'll send them workers, you'll send them helpers. And those that are there, Lord, will connect with the power of the Holy Spirit greater than they ever have. And we will rise up as a great army and help our pastors and come alongside of them and strengthen them so that they might do the work of the ministry that you have called for them to do. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you're in the helps ministry, would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Lord, anoint my friends, my brothers, my sisters. Help us to see what our pastor sees. Help us to know what he knows. Help us to anticipate his next move. Lord, let us be like, uh, I can only say it this way, like the legs of a racehorse. Everyone's kind of moving at a different time, but we're all headed the same direction. Whether we're in the nursery or we're on the soundboard or we're working in the parking lot, may we flow in the power of Jesus Christ. And may we help your word be preached in these days. Out in our businesses, in our churches, may we dedicate ourselves to the things of the almighty God and help our leadership in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Would you give the Lord a good hand clap? Hallelujah. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.